You're listening to the Pioneering Today podcast with Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and pioneer roots. We talk about all things modern homesteading, self-sufficiency, preparedness, and just good old-fashioned, common-sense, traditional skills like your great-grandparents. And on today's episode, this is episode number 63, we are going to be talking about six canning myths, myths that you must know. I love canning. In fact, I joke and say I may be addicted to stuffing food into mason jars to line my home pantry shelves and food storage. But there are some serious dangerous dangerous practices going on in the canning world, and today we're going to talk about them. So this is a post on food safety in regards to home canning, and it's part of the 30 days of preparedness round robin with the prepared bloggers that we're doing. So you can go to the show notes of this episode and check out at the bottom for more details and the rest of the post. So a bunch of us preparedness bloggers got together, and for the month of September, we each did a post. So we had 30 total that just go along with all things being prepared and kind of modern modern homesteading and self-sufficiency. So... Mine is six canning myths that you must know. Number one, the very first myth that I see is if it's canned in the store, you can can it at home. I wish this was true. I really do. But commercial canners can reach much higher temperatures than our at-home pressure canners can. So this means that they can can things, we'll play on words there, that we can't. So for some examples is pumpkin butter and pumpkin pie filling. So you're going to see this on store shelves all the time. And you will see recipes online because I have seen them, especially on Pinterest, that talks about canning pumpkin butter and pumpkin pie filling. But this, these, it's not safe. You can't do it safely. The main reason is, is because pumpkins especially are a non-acidic food and they're very thick. And so one, they're non-acidic. So we can can things like peach butter and apple butter because they're and plum butter because they're made from an acidic fruit. So that changes things. But pumpkin's a vegetable and it's not acidic and it's super thick. And so when you combine those two things together, it's not safe to can at home because you can't, even with a pressure canner, you can't guarantee it's so thick that it will reach through all the way through and heat evenly and kill all of the bacteria mainly botulism spores. And then there's other things that you'll see can in the store too that you can't can at home. So for example, things like chicken noodle soup. You'll see chicken noodle soup in the store and you can't can chicken noodle soup at home. You can't can the noodles in it. But there are ways of canning soups at home that's totally safe. And I have um, a podcast on that actually with Sharon, one of my friends from Simply Canning that tell you how to can soup safely at home and how to alter your recipes to make them safe to can. So I will put a link to that in the show notes for you as well. So myth number two, and I hear this all the time, y'all. My grandmother and great-grandmother canned this way for years, and they never got sick. That may very well be true. You might be willing to gamble with your health and that of your loved ones, though, but I personally am not. So here's what we know now today that our grandma and our great-grandmothers didn't know. Is botulism is not killed by the temperature of boiling water, which is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So this is a common thing that people will boil food in a water bath canner for longer 
things that are supposed to be pressure canned, like green beans or meat sauces, that kind of vegetables, anything that's non-acidic. But even if you boil it for six hours, it still can't reach above the temperature of boiling water, which is 212 degrees. So it doesn't matter if you boil it longer. You're, it's not killing anything better. So botulism grows very well in an anaerobic environment. And that simple terms just means without the presence of oxygen, which is a sealed jar of canned food. Botulism botulism doesn't grow in acid, so that's why we can safely can acidic foods at home with a water bath. But for your vegetables and your non-acidic foods, you have to pressure can them. So though I have an entire post explaining that in much greater deep detail on why when you need to pressure can and when you can safely water bath an item. And no, we didn't have pressure canners um, when people first started, started canning food, but Truthfully, canning food at home, the canning jar was only invented in um, the 1850s. So canning food at home really doesn't reach as far back as people think. In fact, a lot of your mountain folk and stuff, even in the early 1900s, they really weren't canning that much. You know, canning is really truthfully a more newer type of home food preservation than a lot of your other methods. So, you know, they didn't know all of the specifics, but just because they did something back then, and but there were people that did die of botulism, um, doesn't mean that we should still do it today just because they did it back then and they were fine. So, like I said, I'm not a gambler. I'm more of a sure thing type of girl. So most people are canning food to be more frugal, to create healthier food than that at the grocery store, and to be prepared for a disaster. So let me tell you, a hospital visit is not cheap. Becoming sick isn't healthy. And preparing for a disaster using means that could create one? That, I just don't get that. And botulism isn't just a form of food poisoning like stomach flu. You can actually die for it. Now, I don't tell you all of this to scare you. I truly, truly don't. Because canning food at home is completely safe. It's wonderful. I'm a huge advocate for home canning. But you need to follow updated guidelines. The third myth that I see a lot, in fact, I just saw this one today, is oven canning is just fine. It's the same temperature as boiling water after all. I'm here to tell you oven canning is not a replacement for using a water bath. It is not a safe canning method. First off, it's a dry heat. And glass canning jars aren't made for dry heat. So you're risking breaking your jars. And I don't know about you, but I have quite an investment done up in all of my canning jars. And I want to reuse them for as many years as possible to get my most money's worth out of them. I don't want to risk breaking them. Second, you don't know that the internal heat of the food inside the jars is reaching a high enough temperature to kill off all the bacteria because dry heat is very slow to penetrate the jars and to sustain that said heat long enough to kill the bacteria. Think about how thick a canning jar is. It's quite thick and it's all enclosed up inside there. So oven canning is not the same as your water bath canning. And third, and this is something that I don't think a lot of people take into consideration with the oven canning, is water bath and pressure canning, they help a jar to vent. And so what that means is it pulls oxygen from out from inside the jar. And you're not going to get this on a reliable level in an oven. They're just not designed for it. And that's one of the reasons when you use your pressure canner, it says to let the steam vent from the top of the lid for 10 minutes before putting your weight 
on there and, and starting your timer. And that's part of the venting process. So you just don't get that in oven canning. So that's another reason that it is not a safe canning means. So again, there's a lot of things that I buck the rules on, but my family's safety isn't one of them. Just use a water bath canner or a pressure canner. So this is myth number four. And this is my jar sealed, so I'm good to go. Nah, not really. <laughs> Sorry, but just because your jar sealed doesn't mean it's safe. So in most cases it does, but I want to get into some specifics here because this is actually a myth that I wasn't aware of when I very first started canning on my own. So I really want to get into this one. If you're following an older recipe, maybe it's an old family recipe, maybe it's an older canning book, like a really older canning book. I have some old canning books from, oh my goodness, like even the 1930s, and I love them. There's some cool stuff in there, but you have to follow an updated source. So what a lot of things that they would do is they would call for pouring your hot jam or jelly or your pickle brine into the jar, and then you put your lid on and then screw your band down, and then you turn it upside down. You call it inverting and you'd keep it upside down. I think it's like, oh, I don't remember, so many specified minutes. And then you turn it back side up. And then you would hear that pop or the ping. You know, we just, as canners, we love that sound. Well, you would hear that. So you would get a seal in most cases. But generally, the seal is weak and it will come undone a few months into the jar's shelf life. And not only is just the seal weak, but because we didn't water bath it, then there can be bacteria that's still in there and that will start to grow. So there's kind of two reasons we don't use that method anymore. So a seal in no way means there isn't bacteria present, which is what the whole water bath and the pressure canning process does. So if you have water bathed it and you have pressure canned it and it's sealed, then your seal is good. So I'm referring to this older method with was, was with pickles and jams and jellies for the most part. So that, that's what I'm talking about. Like I said, I have to confess, when I first started pickling, I did this with some of my pickles in order to help keep them crunchy because I thought, well, if I don't process them in the water bath and they just seal, then they won't get as uh, soggy because, you know, cooked pickles, canned pickles a lot of times, the cucumber ones will get um, kind of soft. And so I did this with a batch. I'm confessing here, you guys. And I ended up losing almost every single jar because they came unsealed on the shelf. So even though I had chicken checked them and initially they had sealed they came undone so lesson learned and I'm really thankful that it wasn't the expense of my family's health because once the jars came unsealed obviously we didn't eat them but so I'm just really grateful for that and I just want to pass that on there along to you so now we have canning myth number five and this is something that we I practiced we did as a kid I'm sure many of you did maybe still do and so this is myth number five just scrape the mold off of the jam and jelly and eat the rest. This used to be a really common practice. But once you see the mold, kind of like in a loaf of bread, once you see the mold, even if you scrape off the top layer or just take away the top you know, piece of the bread that had the mold on it, the spores, the mold spores are already throughout your jam and jelly. Now, we eat mold spores every day, little small ones that we can't see. We don't know we're eating. For most of us, it doesn't cause any harm. We are just fine. But, you knew this was coming, right? To someone with a compromised immune system, it can result in a fungal infection in the lungs. And fungal infections in the lungs are extremely hard to get rid of and they're really hard to treat. So a better practice, and this is what we do, 
is what I started doing is to can your jam and jelly in smaller size jars. So if it's getting mold on it because it's been opened in the fridge for too long and you're not going through it fast enough before it starts to mold, just can it in smaller jars. Just get the um, the half pints or even the little four ounce jelly jars. I mean, you can go down pretty small. If you see mold when you pull the jar off the shelf and it hasn't been opened and in the fridge for over a couple weeks, then your seal was compromised and you should toss it out. The golden rule of canning is if in doubt, throw it out. You know, I'm sure you've heard it before. It's a catchy little rhyme. It's true though. And then this brings me to myth number six, that canning is dangerous. So despite all the myths that we've just dispelled and all of the things that I said, canning is safe. If you follow the guidelines and stay up to date with your practices, canning is very, very safe. I have eaten home canned food my entire life. I've canned on my own for over 16 years. We've never gotten sick ever. And I want to reassure you again, canning is easy and fun. Just follow the rules. Canning isn't the place to be a rebel. Home canned food is often much more nutritious than store-bought canned goods. One, because it's in glass and not metal with questionable things lining it. And it doesn't have weird um, additives in it. And most home canned food is canned from produce that's picked right from the vine. So if you're growing some of your own food or you go to a local U-Pick, or even farmer's markets, then you bring it home and usually you process it almost immediately. So it's going to retain more of the nutrition in it just because you picked it from the vine and it hasn't been on the store shelf. And because as soon as you pick food off of the vine, it starts to lose some of its nutritional value. And obviously the older it is, the more it loses. So when you're home canning food, you're usually doing it right away. And so it just naturally has more of the good stuff in it. Now your home canned jams and jellies, they don't contain, unless you're adding them in, um, but most (laughs) don't contain food dye, high fructose corn syrup, or other GMO additives that you're going to find in a lot of store brand um, items of those. And usually the home canned ones have less sugar, especially if you're using my low sugar and most of my recipes are no store-bought pectin recipes as well. So if you want to build up your food pantry with home food preservation, then you can sign up for, I have a free ultimate home food preservation guide. It has, I think over 130 resources in it now that helps you to preserve your food safely at home. So there's canning recipes, there's dehydrating recipes, salt curing, um, using alcohol to preserve food, different extracts and means of that, root cellaring techniques, which I really like because those require very little work, um, and all, all kinds of the really old fat fermenting. So there's lots of ways to preserve food at home. Canning is just one of them, though I do love canning for many reasons. So I, you can grab your access to that and the 30 days from all of my um, good friends for the professional Um, prepared bloggers on our 30 days of preparedness. So you want to grab all of that in the show notes at moleskinoris.com. Click on the podcast button. And this one is episode number 63, six canning myths you must know. So thanks so much for joining me today, guys. And we'll talk to you soon.